Global Business Insights Podcast from PS Learning, featuring your hosts, Dr. Charlotte de Brabant and Max Kent, bringing you the leading global experts and thought leaders from all industry sectors to give you cutting-edge key insights into the future of business, technology, and thought leadership. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining our Global Business Insight Podcast with this week's guest, Alex. And of course, my partner in crime, Max. Thank you all for joining. Thank you for listening once again. And today's topic is going to be on the future of travel. So I'm so excited to have Alex on the line with us today. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. Maybe we could just start off by quickly introducing yourself. Maybe you could just say a few words. Yeah, thanks, Charlotte. And uh, thanks to Max for inviting me on the show. Yeah, so I run a, uh, a business course, the Seven Figure Traveller, and essentially it's a coaching and mentoring business uh, to show people the potential of their travel business um, by seeing the, the potential of themselves. And it revolves around two particular areas, and one is information and the other is is about confidence. As you know, the, the the internet is such a massive place and, and knowing the right information and what is the right information to get the skill sets you need to be good in the travel space, you know, it's really important. And of course, confidence is about implementation. So I say, you know, to become a travel professional is a bit like a journey. You need to make the first step and to keep making further steps afterwards. But the beauty of the travel industry is, is that it's always been surrounded by technology. And, you know, whether you are traveling for business or for pleasure, um, or whether you're just doing the school run, the daily commute or the weekly shop, you know, the principles of travel uh, remain the same. Um, But technology, as we're about to discuss, is going to change and it constantly changes. So, yeah, it's a it's a fascinating area. Hey, so this podcast, um, certainly in the first few episodes, we've really focused on the future of how AI and new technologies is going to affect the particular industry you work in. So, you know, first question around that for you, Alex, what do you think the future of travel is going to look like in the next five to 10 years? Well, I think there's two sides of it you need to look at. First is the I would describe as the physical so uh, let's say cars, lorries and buses, for instance, the big, the really big thing that's going to change those uh, systems over the next few years is going to be battery technology. We're seeing its gradual intera- interaction, if you like, with the, with the industry as we know it. And I think that the two places that you're going to notice uh, most are going to be like bus services, uh, local lorry journeys, a lot of them are being replaced. Um, there are many examples around the world where uh, where the, the where the journey times, the distances are concerned, and you know, you know, you know what's going to happen. Uh, those are very definite areas uh, that you're going to see fairly immediate changes. On cars, I think it's um, it's still an open question. I think even um, Elon Musk uh, will say that, uh, you know, it's going to happen, autonomous vehicles. But there's a question of 
human confidence. I think he put the answer somewhere between 10,000 and 10 million. So, you know, so that's how good the technology has to be before humans uh, deem it confident. You know, they'll be confident to, to use the technology. Um, if you look at trains, they're kind of already um, making moves forward. That, you know, they're not only faster and lighter, but the thing that I've really seen a lot of change, and I think we can expect a lot of change, is in how trains get signalled between destinations. Um, I grew up in South Oxfordshire, and that's in the middle of England. And when I was a kid, it used to take nearly an hour and a half to get into London, you know, a distance of only 50 odd miles. Now um, you can get there in 30 minutes and it's 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 down to two key aspects. Firstly, it's um, uh, the route is now fully electrified. Uh, the train sets are twice the length, but the technology behind the signaling now means that the driver is is only doing half uh, what they used to do, yet they need to be more technically uh, proficient than ever before. Um, planes have seen massive changes. They're not only lighter and more fuel efficient. Um, whereas in the old days, the thing that got my interest was that everything had to be four engines because people were worried that there'd be failures en route and um, they were incredibly... Um, well, they weren't fuel efficient. They were, they were noisy. They were polluting. It needed multiple people to multiple people to start them up. But these days, uh, two engine aircraft are are the thing. They they not only are, are better, they go much further than ever before. Even cargo ships. I'm just amazed at the at the size of the of the ships that now take all our all our goods and services around the world. It's absolutely um, amazing. So that's the physical side. The software side, well, they used to say there's an app for it, but now I think you have to think in terms of apps in the, in the plural, because there's, there simply isn't one way to access products and services now. I always think of it, if you think of it as layers of a cake, one on top of the other, um, I go back to give you a few examples. When I used to buy movies or rent movies in the 1980s, they used to come on these things called VHS cassettes. And they'd only be one or two players and you would you would get your rental and you'd send it back. And later on it would change to it changed to CDs and then DVDs. There were a few more players, uh, you know, a few more people offering the services. And now now we've got the internet, it's streaming. But the thing that happened as, as a, a result of it is that the content that used to be in a single place is now like in pockets uh, being shared along, shared amongst loads of different providers. So there's no longer a single place to get your catalogue of movies. And it's kind of that sort of um, thing has now moved into the social media space. You know, the there was a time at the beginning of the internet, people used to ask me, what is what is email, Alex? And I'd have to explain what that was. But now social media has come up. Um, you can now, you can DM people, but 
now everybody's thinking, oh, well, if you can do that on Facebook, you can do it on my platform as well. So that you've got this distributed uh, network of how you communicate with people now. And that is really, um, well, it's, it's, it's good, it's, it's diverse, but it's making it more challenging to stay in touch with people. Um, I now have to think about which, which platform people are on before I start contacting them. So the software space is amazing, but you, you have to be more aware of what's happening. There's a tremendous amount of choice uh, and the market is expanding all the time. Alex, thank you so much for, for this fantastic answer, especially discussing all these other all, all these elements of plane and and uh, car and and absolutely the the world has changed. And I would say the the most drastic change though has taken place very much just a few years ago when we were all stuck at home and when we all had to switch overnight into being a lot more digital and having virtual meetings, virtual conferences, just like our podcast now I mean all these technologies have very much risen I would say frankly speaking just over the last years that now it's become the new normal and and that being said how has the pandemic uh, per se affected the travel industry and how do you see it then recovering in the future yeah in some respects Obviously, the pandemic did have an effect and it, and it curtailed uh, the industry. But I've seen plenty of examples where people uh, during the lockdown periods, which was different uh, depending on which part of the world you was, um, it's changed. People changed to cargo. Um, and also there was kind of a, an experimentation going on where uh, Goods and services still needed to be distributed, um, but it went by a combination of lorries and trains. The interesting thing about from a recovery sen sense is that what I've noticed is that far from for curtailing the demand, actually there's been a pent up feeling. People have really wanted to get back into travel. And there's plenty of evidence out there now that people are prepared to give up all kinds of activity in favour of prioritising, you know, the travel experience. And if you need any other further evidence, you only have to look at how much how much people and companies spend on travel uh, in the much wider sense. Prior to the pandemic, the travel sector was worth over a trillion dollars. Yes, it was it was pushed back a little. But the demand is so strong and um, that people are desperate to travel. And yeah, well, I can see it, you know, easily matching that soon and even maybe even doubling it in the future. You know, it's a really strong space. Okay, so I think for some of our listeners, worth explaining, um, Alex, that you've got a background in IT as well and obviously have a deep knowledge of systems and solutions. So. Um, really keen to see how you've applied that in your um, new business and and really about how that applies to travel. So, you know, go if you could go into more of the technological advancements that you might see um, from your uh, perspective coming in to transform the travel industry. Um, and I think, you know, given our 
our listeners on this, not just in terms of personal travel, but for you know corporations offering travel management solutions, that kind of thing as well? Well, I think um, the sort of advances that we're likely to, to see are more fully automated systems. We briefly talked about it already, but um, you know, confidence is going to increase in these in these different areas, and I think full full automation is going to happen at some point. Um, driverless technologies, like on trains, um, there was a time where you'd never think such a thing would happen. I've been showing a bit of interest in um, what's been going on in Sydney, Australia. Uh, they're really pushing hard on having just a distributed city so all business not necessarily taking part in one part of the city but really expanding out and and having multiple cities Um, and that's going to happen by um, a series of expansions uh, for uh, driverless trains i mean it's an incredibly interesting uh, project we recently had um, obviously the uh, the new train system through London, the Elizabeth Line, which is an interesting mix of technologies because the challenge of delivering it, I know people said, oh, it took too long, it was too expensive and so on. But because it's a mixed technology environment, it had to you had to cope with multiple signaling, signaling systems. It had a dedicated section underneath the city, which could be fully autonomous if they wanted to, but they have to have um, drivers that understand three different technologies. It's it's, it's incredibly technical. On the aeroplane front, believe it or not, there are already fully electric um, aeroplanes being tested. And there's a particular uh, blogger I I follow who actually was looking at a three or stroke four person aircraft that could fly for about an hour and I, I looked at it and I thought it didn't look like an aeroplane at all. I mean if you've ever watched the cartoon character the Jetsons um, it really reminded me of that. It just looked like a bubble surrounded by 26 fans that just sort of made you hover up and I thought my goodness it's just like the old cartoons I used to watch. It's incredible what is being tested. At the moment it's it's a concept idea but people are seriously uh, developing these things and of course the first stage in all kinds of development is that they have to have there has to be a concept people come and see it they're looking for investors and it's incredible what um, uh, people are looking at another thing I think is worth mentioning is that um, in the private aeroplane space where people will happily at a moment's notice spend 25, 30 million upwards for a new plane. Um, the one particular company is developing a, an essentially a red button so that if your sole pilot was to uh, develop a medical problem, you just pull the button and the the IT system in the backbone will coordinate all of the air traffic control systems, medical services will work out which airport to, to safely land at. And I thought, wow, somebody's actually thought of all this. Um, so it's almost, you know, it has been done for safety, but you can see that in future 
and even the future is now that people uh, who fly planes, they don't need to fly planes. Uh, they practically fly themselves. It's incredibly uh, interesting. Another area which I'm watching with very particular interest is this project called Project Sunrise um, by an airline in Australia who um, they were working with both Boeing and Airbus and they've come up with a, an Airbus solution to fly people point to point to anywhere in the world and it could well be in service next year and it's really taking advantage of how aircraft may look in the future which is an interchangeable interchangeable aircraft and i think it's been pushed by by the um, the pandemic in a way but i think it was it's been in the running for a little while but if you imagine very long flights they you know it's not just a case of what do i do for 20 plus hours it's it's how our bodies react to being in the air for so long and part of that is is getting a good night's sleep and of course at the moment the people that benefit from that opportunity are people who are willing to pay for business and first class seating so how do you provide it for the 300 plus other passengers well the idea they've come up is slightly based on what the japanese uh do um, which is they offer sleeping pods so imagine a section of the hold that has been um, which is now no longer cargo but is now a sleeping area which you may hire for the entire flight or just for two or three hours at a time so it's bringing travel it's an interesting idea that's going to bring travel to the masses and i think it's also altered the thinking of several companies coming back from the pandemic whereas before they would send their planes off for refurbishment to have all their uh, seats removed now they're saying to manufacturers in future you must think about planes that can be either people or cargo and i can essentially it's like a giant meccano set you just either pull out seats and put cargo space in and vice versa and it'll be very much a demand and that flexibility will mean that new planes don't have to be massive as as, as jumbo jets they can be small single aisle, aisle uh, devices that can go to multiple uh, destinations so i think there's a lot of interesting technology coming up and it's a question of you know watching the spaces i think Oh, how interesting, especially what what an innovative project. But, you know, whenever we talk about air travel and then private air travel, as, as you were talking about, how do you see sustainability and eco-friendly travel playing a role in the in the future of travel? Yeah, it's kind of a two part story. Um, and this is where we're going to slightly step into the sci-fi because I think um, the answer to your question is really what we do on the planet and what we may do off the planet in the future. Um, I've been following a few people that are very interested in ecotourism. 
and there's certainly a growing interest in this area, especially from uh, the youth. And I think the sort of things that people are interested in now are like things like mindfulness and awareness, particularly awareness, because I think a lot of people aren't necessarily aware that their actions can cause repercussions on the opposite side of the world. So there's very much thinking about the impact of actions, uh, respecting other cultures and traditions, and a need, I think, to um, have a more resourcefulness approach uh, to travel. So reducing miles, reducing the necessity to move people and material. I was looking at a particular problem that was being highlighted is that there's a lot of island chains in the Pacific, which are um, only 10 foot or so in places above sea level. And of course, sea level is something that is very um, pertinent at the moment. If you think of the Maldives, a lot of people like going to the Maldives, but it's one of those places which is at risk. Um, so you do very much need to be um, aware of your actions. The only thing is, there is a demand for this, but the thing is, can you scale it? That's the thing, because all the examples I've seen have been small scale. So I think that is one of those things that um, we'll need to develop. The other thing we need to be aware of is that there are the, there are not only massive industries out there that are contributing to this, but there are countries, there are certain very large countries, they know who they are, we don't need to say their names, but there are certain very large countries that are very, uh, very industrialised and they are, could be described as creating not necessarily overwhelming problems, but problems that we need to deal with nevertheless. Now that may be something that in future could ha actually happen off the planet. Now, it's it's funny this because only a few years ago, any talk of doing things off the planet, you'd be like sent off to cuckoo land. But now, at some point, we could be living off the planet. And there are companies actively developing technologies on how to build uh, factories in a low gravity environment and do it by using material that already exists on the planets. Um, I mean, it's really sci-fi stuff, but the, the fact that people are actively looking into this um, increasingly is making this a real possibility because it means you don't have to take so much stuff with you. So in terms of being sustainable, and eco-friendly, it may well be that the things that we consider to be extremely dirty and polluting may be replaceable or movable off our planet, and that could make an extraordinary difference. Um, I know last month there was this accident with a starship, which, are, which is attracting a lot of interest, but the thing about it is it's a reusable device and it's already been proven that you can now send rockets into space for at least a tenth of the price um, that we used to. And that's going to make an amazing difference. 
And as we speak, five or six starships are being built every month. Now, it's a long way from the target of a thousand that has been estimated that we would need um, should we wish to go on a big trip to Mars. But again, it's an evolving story. And you can imagine that the people behind it are thinking, how are we going to scale it up? And that's the thing that's going to make a real difference. Yes, I mean, don't get me started on the Maldives and, um, you know, the the sea levels and everything else and space travel. So I think we could go right down a rabbit hole because I'm a firm believer in, in you know, the, the fact that that is probably the future. And perhaps there was there was life on Mars before before we knew anything about it and probably civilizations that were here before us as well. So um, I think that's all to play for. And there's a lot more information coming about that sort of stuff. And it's all linked to travel and certainly sea travel as well. So um, really interesting stuff and really interesting to hear your take on it. Um, the next thing we wanted to sort of go into is it sort of carries on from that. So I think it's going to have a big factor into it is artificial intelligence and um, machine learning um, and some of those things around virtual augmented reality how do you think they're gonna they're gonna help with um, you know this sort of travel as well and I do speak about the future of travel and how that might look for you know off 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 world travel as well yeah I think um, AI and machine learning yeah it's really seemed to be accelerating um, when you think of uh, machines, I used to work in, um, as part of my IT experience, I used to work in the medical industry and I saw automatic machines in motion. It's extraordinary what you can do with machines. Um, but the limiting factors with them was that they were task-based machines. They could only do one thing at a time, as good as they were, um, they worked incredibly quickly. Uh, and when they worked well, it was the humans that had to speed up, not the machines to keep up with the, the, the work that they did. Um, I've been reading a little bit about the huge uh, car factory that now exists in Austin, uh, Texas. And then shortly after that, I read a story about another similar factory that's going to be built in uh, Mexico uh, and that one location in itself is going to be building 20 million cars a year which is going to be bigger than all the other factories uh, for the entire planet being built in one in one place but the the limiting factor of machines is that you know you're putting material in one end and hopefully something really interesting is going to come out at the other end. But the real change, I think, is when um, we combine the physical with AI. And that is where this um, project in the making called uh, Artemis, which is essentially mobile robots with um, AI built in, I think that is really um, going to change the game quite significantly. But you've got to think of, well, what information are these machines going to contain? And it's really based on this idea that's been around for a while, which we call big data. Uh, and I've been actively using a product that people are talking about at the moment called ChatGPT, which is essentially an, an, an encyclopedia 
And it's a machine that's been taught a lot of stuff about the world around it. And travel is just one of those things. And I've been using it as something I like to to lean on um, as a research tool. And as part of that, I found out about another product called AutoGPT. And I looked at this because essentially what this product is, it's it's Google for GP, GPT. So if you think of all the things you may have been maybe doing already on ChatGPT, this is essentially connecting the internet to the encyclopedia. And it basically compares all the things you were searching for before, but now it will check it against current events, current searching. And it's incredibly interesting. Now, because, <laughs> because GBT was invented by somebody we all know, and then he sold it, and then it was purchased by another company, he decided um, he didn't like what his original baby was doing, so he's now created another um, a, a competitor of ChatGPT, which is called XI. Now, apparently, we now know why he purchased Twitter. It's because Twitter is also a big data company too. So, um, but you know, there's nothing wrong with competition. I say so. I think the AI space. Uh, will only grow for it. And as I said, the, the the robot project, really, I would describe it as like convergence technology where AI will move with you. And I think the, the things, one of the two things I would say that's interesting about this is that the capability of machines doing jobs that humans no longer want to do. Now, I know our best friend has said that one day there will be more robots than humans, but I think essentially we'll be sending them off the planet because um, as anybody who who follows uh, space travel will know is that it's not a particularly human friendly place at the moment. And the most ideal job for a robot will be to to go and do things other places where we uh, will happily give them loads of tasks and they will spend all their time uh, doing things for us. In terms of how I think travel uh, will benefit from AI is essentially it will be it will be good because it will allow us to uh, collate a lot of information. The thing that I the only thing I really question about it is how will we measure the value of that information going forward? And I, what I mean by that is is it accurate? Is the answers we get back the best information? As Dr. Spock would always say to Captain Kirk, you know, you, you should look at it logically. But the thing about humans is that we are spontaneous. You know, I can imagine people using AI to organise all of their travel, but whether that is, you know, the best solution for them is is another matter because I think it's down to the uh, the intangibles. You know, like um, there are some uh, products of uh, beer which uh, allegedly can reach all the parts, but AI cannot currently reach 
all those parts. Um, you know, you think of people bantering in markets or buying things for cash or asking for mates rates or trying to cut out the middleman. That's that's the intangible where the AI can't currently reach. So, yes, I'm looking forward to what's next. Thank you so much, Alex. And um, and just just to continue the flow of of the new technologies, um, in your in your opinion, what role will smart devices and and the IoT, the Internet of Things, actually play in the future of travel? I think to a certain extent um, it already does. Um, if you think about what your mobile phone uh, is doing, um, it knows where you are all the time. Um, if you think about large factories, um, they contain lots of uh, moving parts. Um, airports are uh, very good examples, uh, tracking uh, passengers and luggage. Um, I fairly recently was on a um, a trip out to Spain and I went to uh, Madrid and one thing I didn't realize about um, Madrid airport is that um, some of the terminals are about four kilometers apart and that requires a, a very long metro trip back to the main terminal to collect my luggage and what was really interesting is, is rather than um, hide everything they just have a big cavern and as you travel on the metro between the uh, the, the terminals you also see the um, uh, all the traffic going on below you and I swear um, I saw my luggage overtake me on the way to the uh, to the main building it was quite it was quite a surreal experience but it it just shows you the importance of um, everything working together you know when you check your luggage in it's not just a barcode you are you are initiating a whole series of events so that when you actually reach um, the carousel you know the thing that you want most is there waiting for you and, and uh, it's the magic and we don't always see that in the future i think it, these things are going to be incredibly more important because um, projects are getting more and more complex. Um, I saw an example of this in uh, Singapore. They're, um, they're extending artificial islands in order to introduce a, a, a huge cargo facility. So essentially machines are going to unload cargo, place it on a port facility. Drones are going to be um, uh, supervising the entire operation and a very large part of the cargo operation uh, in Singapore is going to be almost fully automated. Um, they are destined to complete this project by the year 2040. In Western Sydney Airport, which is essentially not going to replace the existing airport, but is a completely brand new project, is a highly complex and when I saw various interviews of the progress they were making, uh, they were asked which floor they were on. They didn't actually know. And um, actually, it wasn't a great surprise because new airports are phenomenally large places and you don't necessarily know what floor you're on because they go deep underground as well. 
in 2008, I was I volunteered and was um, selected to help with the Heathrow Terminal 5 testing, me and 5,000 other people. Um, and it was absolutely fascinating to see part of the airport which wasn't open and you start at the bottom and you work your way up. I mean, it's absolutely cavernous um, with no actual paying customers in there. And we were essentially left to play with the toys. We all were given imaginary destinations. We picked up uh, luggage and we and we stress test tested a new airport and we got to see places that normal passengers wouldn't normally see. Um, no, it's absolutely fascinating. The main thing, of course, is not to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, um, yeah, just one final question from us, really. Uh, just on this has all been incredibly enlightening and, yeah, just it, it's great to hear it all. The one thing left to talk about just briefly is just on the sharing economy where um, there's, you know, more of the sort of internet kind of uh, economy and those sort of uh, sites like Airbnb and those sort of things have made it easier for people to travel in a different way and people that perhaps wouldn't have the opportunity to visit certain locations and certain places. Um, do you see more of that in the future and, and having more of an impact? Yeah, I think it has. I think it has a very important part to play. Um, again, it's part of what I was saying before about layers and I think it makes the travel industry more competitive. Um, and it does it because um, the travel industry is becoming a little bit more distributed. Uh, so when you go on a service like Airbnb, you, you're not necessarily seeing every travel product available, but it is built in such a way that it gives you almost a, a Google type um, experience. You get to see not only the um, the accommodation that's available, but a lot of them show you what's around the accommodation, what else you can experience whilst you're in the area. And I think that's incredibly uh, powerful approach. And I think that's probably why as a as one example of one particular platform, um, why it's very um, successful in the space. Um, it also shows that um, the travel economy is very fluid. Um, there's a tremendous amount of variation and if you're prepared to look under the hood you can see a lot more options than just accepting you know one way of traveling or one kind of property or one kind of journey so it's best to assume that what you're looking for isn't necessarily all in the same place but the opportunity for you to establish direct relationships is actually better in this space. So I often have come into contact with, I don't know, either hotels or uh, stays away and they slightly grumble because, oh, well, we're glad that you had a good time, but only if you had uh, contact us directly, we, you, you might have had a better deal. So there is a mix there is a mix and match. So sometimes you might prefer to get it all done in one place, but in others, I think it's nice to, to think that there is another way of doing things. And the internet is the place that that can happen. 
Alex, I cannot thank you enough for all your incredible thought leadership today on the future of travel. So many very incredible case studies and examples and projects. My goodness, you bring so much experience to the table. So thank you very much for your time and, and joining us today. And especially Absolutely. also to, to our listeners for joining us um, to another, another episode of our podcast series. And we really hoped um, and hope that you enjoyed exploring the, the future of travel with us today. As always, we encourage you to stay curious and, and keep exploring. Stay tuned to what the next episodes are to come. And until then, travel safe and, and happy travels. Thanks, Alex. Thanks very much. You're welcome. The Global Business Insights Podcast from PS Learning, featuring your hosts, Dr. Charlotte de Brabant and Max Kent.